Welcome to Wade in Irish Kiddies Weekend at the Curran Native Trip and Homeless Songs taking the first classics of the Irish flat season. We're going to look about all the talking points from the weekend just gone on the race course and off the race course as well, plus your listener questions answered in the company of Kevin Blake. How are you, Kev? I'm great, Hugo. Yeah, yeah. Three days of the car, very enjoyable. Um, yeah, great action. Looking forward to talking about it. Yes, and you're well, Tony Calvin. Yeah, yeah, not bad. Kev, I see it's Joseph's birthday today. What did you get him? Uh, New race manager. Wouldn't be it wouldn't be the present type of fella now, so I'm saving off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. What do you get the guy who has everything, huh? What would you get Joseph or Brian Vanessa Royal if you had to get him a birthday present? Uh, <laughs> a new pair of glasses. A new pair of glasses. I always thought he could do with a new pair of glasses. Very, very good question. What about a radical haircut? <laughs> um, he's got a very nice haircut as things stand at the moment. Maybe I buy him like a little bit of a jazzy scarf or something. You know, it always goes for quite a straight sort of style. But a nice little bit of pink colour there or something would suit him down to the ground, wouldn't it? Right. Get your thinking hat on. Be in the post, Joseph, on his way to happy birthday. Okay, we'll kick off with the action lads at the Curra, um, if you don't mind. And we've got to start with Native Trail, Trail Kev. Look, he was uh, a short prize favourite. He duly obliged after somewhat fluffing his lines in the 2000 guineas at Newmarket. And were you impressed overall? Um, he, he won. He won. You know, we were kind of speculating and anticipating that it might not be straightforward for him. Um, he did indeed get put in jail early on on the inside, but um, there was nothing good enough to kind of keep him in when, when, it, when the going got tough and he was able, Buick was able to, to find a way to open country and went and won in, in quite workmanlike style, I think it's fair to say. Um, the depth in behind him um, wasn't all that strong. Um, the Buckaroo was a clear danger to him on form, and he didn't run his race. Um, small bit mystifying, to be brutally honest, um, because the, the form of that Tetrarch did stand up in the race, um, with the exception of him. Um, so without with him running below form, Native Trail didn't have to do um, probably anything like what he had to do um, when being beaten in the 2000 guineas. Um, but he did the job in workmanlike style. Look, he's getting more professional. You you compare how he went through the Irish 2000 guineas to how he went through the national stakes last year. Like, and he is traveling better in his races and, and doing things a bit more professionally. But um, it didn't it didn't set everyone alight. It didn't set me alight in terms of the style. But you, all he can do is go and win, and there will be bigger challenges ahead for for him. And he'll uh, he'll just need to raise his game. I'd say to uh, to 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 go and win another group one. Yeah, did, did, you, did you get the feeling, Tony, that he only just did enough? Or or, or do you think it was a bit workmanlike and laboured, if you like? I think it was definitely workmanlike and laboured. You, you go back and have a look at his, his form this season and you just wonder whether he's, he's kicked on it from, from two. I mean, the Craven, uh, the Craven victory, uh, the second came out and finished last in the French Guineas, albeit from a, a very poor draw. The, the new market form, the Guineas form, is, is largely untested. I think the only horse that's come out of there Royal Patronage, the eighth horse, has come out and finished second in the Dante, so that's probably a plus. And he was beating a 102-rated horse by a length and a half um, at, at the weekend. So if you, if you take a, you know, if you analyse his performances this season, these, if you shine a light on it, it's it's not giving you any any massive positives. And, uh, you know, I think the jury's still out on the on the, on the Guinness form, obviously, for, like I said, because it's untested. And, you know, there's, you know, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be in a mad rush to take short prices about him. I know Caribus is, you know, four or six five for the St James's Palace Stakes and Native Trails about fours. But I think there's a few. I think I think there's a few up and comers in there. Notably, 
William Haggis's Maldumes, I think uh, I see it's been introduced at 14 since the St James's Palace betting after his Guinness victory. And he only made his debut in March in shades of Baid, maybe. But yeah, um, no, I was I was a little bit underwhelmed. Okay, well, I mean, if, if, if the performance of the horse, Vanessa, was underwhelming, surely the training performance in terms of a, a treble of 2,000 guineas has to be hugely admired and respected, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That angle definitely does have to be admired and respected and uh, very much echo the thoughts of what the boys have said in terms of pretty underwhelming. I, I didn't know if we were all going to be in agreement with that. I haven't really spoken to anyone about that Saturday performance. So it's interesting that all three of us kind of feel roughly the same. I just, I'm a massive fan of Native Trail, but I fear his 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 big headline days are behind him now. We're probably in his two-year-old year. And now I'm wondering if, you know, others, other three-year-olds are going to progress around him. And did we see the start of that come uh, on Saturday? obviously like the the ability to win three guineas with three different horses in three different countries all trained by the same man two of them homebreds and in the process they've made three stallions it's just incredible like it couldn't have gone any better for the Godolphin team but I think going forwards uh, as, as far as native trail is concerned um, the race itself, the performance, the third, the second and the third, 28 to one and a 40 to one shot finishing in such close proximity. I know some of that was due to, the, you know, obviously due to how the race was run, but overall, definitely the race itself and the race day experience, underwhelming is my feedback. Mm. Race day experience, <laughs> underwhelming. Why so? You were there, obviously, but you were there for a couple of days, right? Uh, no, I just, I just went Saturday. Saturday. I Saturday. Okay, yeah, what was underwhelming? I well, I haven't been to the Curra before um, since its redevelopment, and I don't know what I was expecting. Obviously, it gets it does get quite a lot of stick, and I just uh, when you come in through the gate, I, I mean, the redevelopment is beautiful. The whole place is like it's a classy establishment now, but and I don't know what it is. I don't know how you like buy atmosphere. You can't, so I don't know what they can do. But there just is no atmosphere. Yeah, I had it. You would have no knowledge that that was a classic day like in terms of the atmosphere, it was just completely damp, like meh. And I read this, there was an article on the second, on the third page of the Racing Post on Sunday, written about, you know, how well it had all gone. There wasn't any official figures, but <clears throat> a great atmosphere around the place and first classic of the Irish year and all of this. And I was reading the article and I honestly, genuinely thought to myself, they went to a different race meeting to me. Like I... And I was there with some English friends, interestingly, one of them who works at Newmarket, one of them who goes racing regularly in England. And they'd be like good time people. They like, you know, make the best of every situation. And even their feedback was like, I don't know if we go back there again. <laughs> you know, it was a bit, it was just, and like, even just before the guineas, I said, I was, you know, in the bar as standard. And I said, um, oh, I bet it, I'm going to go out and look at these horses. So I went out to the parade ring, you know, looked at the runners in the paddock. There's, you know, a line of people on paddock side looking at the horses there's definitely not two lines if you get me whereas at Newmarket you know the pre-parade is packed the paddock is rammed and they're just and then even when when the horse came back in again I read that article to a great reception I mean there was a splattering of applause a splattering that is the only word to describe it I mean yeah I'm sorry to be a negative Nancy about no, it. No, that's listen. You, that's that's your that's your truth, and you're you're entitled to um to relay your experience. And then the oh, sorry, and then the final the final point on that is at one point because we were kind of in one main bar, and so I thought I better go after the guineas. I thought I'm just going to go for a bit of a wander on my own and just like see what else is the crack at the curse sort of thing. There is nothing else. Like 
there is nothing else. There's no, the few bars had a few people around them. I don't know. Like I said, back to my original point, you can't buy atmosphere, but it needs mm. some injection of something there. I've been there a lot over the last two years. What was your sense of it, Kevin? You were also there. Um, like, I don't like kind of making too much deep comment on this because like my experience at the likes of the car wouldn't be a race scores experience as such. Um, you know, in that I'm chair, like in the parade ring and, and, and not out in the stands all that much. But um, like I, I think this, the crowd I, I heard knocking around like kind of four and a half thousand, five thousand, six thousand, that sort of number. Um, I mean, and again, I, I don't know if those were officially given out, but that, that's what I was hearing. Um, and look, I, I, I just find the car quite a pleasant experience. But again, it's 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 I'm looking for different things than others, I suppose. You know, you talk about atmosphere. Um, in that, and uh, I go racing probably more in England than Ireland these days for for professional reasons. And you know, the English atmosphere definitely is very different. Um, but I suppose a key difference is that like a, a whole a large proportion of people that go racing in England will go and they're out for the day, they're drinking pints, and that generates atmosphere in itself. Um, whereas in Ireland, I think you get, especially at the likes of the Curra, um, I don't know what the correct word for it is, but it, it it's not that that same sort of audience. You know, and and it just it, like I'd agree with Vanessa. There wasn't this uh, you know palpable buzz around the place. You know, and, and look, the Cara has this. This has been the situation with the Cara, you know, long before the development. You know, it it has always struggled to capture the local audience, a big audience. And you know, I think all of us when we were discussing, you know, the redevelopment of the Cara, it was fantastic that they found this money to redo what was a, a track that was badly in need of a redo. But I think we, we all said, like, God, we wouldn't like to be the fella that has the job of fitting it because it, it, there yeah. has been that disconnect there for so long. Um, and look, they're trying different things. Brian Cavanaugh is back in the job now. Uh, and, and, you know, he, he'll have his own ideas and his own um, ways to approach it. Um, but look, it's not going to be an easy job. You could be the greatest genius in the world going in with, with that task and, uh, you know, you, you'd be odds against to fulfill it. Maybe to, just to, the layout, Kev, or the structure of the Curra in and of itself, even with the redesign, doesn't lend itself to a particularly good atmosphere. And I say that because you can kind of get lost very easy. Even if you think to, to Leopardstown or even Punchestown as well, you know, the tracks and the, and the, and the, uh, the buildings around the tracks and where people go to eat and all that are just, you know, they kind of lend themselves to people kind of mixing together and that in and of itself drives an atmosphere. The Curra is this big wide open space with a big nice building plonked in the middle of it but it does not lend itself to people kind of congregating and feeding off each other. It's, well, it's well, not very yeah but it's again I suppose it's what you want to like I kind of like being comfortable at the races I, I like not having to, to push to push and shove and, uh, and there being you know having to have having everyone congested together you know and again it, it's what it depends what you want that's purely a thing of personal preference I'm not saying it's good or bad but I actually quite like it um it, it's it and it's it's tricky and uh, it's a difficult it's a very difficult brief to fulfill but look it is i feel it's a beautiful race course you know i think it stands up well in terms of a facility a setting um the, the way it's finished etc but you know you do want more people in there clearly to make the best of it uh, and how they're going to achieve that is, is is a tricky question to answer how much would how much was it to get in um, I, I don't know what the full price was, but now something I would say, because uh, it, it was unusual for it to happen now, but uh, three different um, gents came up to me through the course of the day, older men, 
and, and they, they, had, they said it to me and asked me to raise it. They said, you know, what? It, was, it was 30 euros for a pensioner to get in here today. And I said, look, we love racing, come and race in all our lives. But we're pensioners, we don't have fortunes and 30 euros is, is, is heavy. And I can see their point. And it would yeah. be heavy on any day of the week in any situation. But sure, look, we know where we are at the minute with the cost of living and the cost to, 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 to heat your house, etc., is, is unbelievable at the minute. And like these are loyal, long standing customers. And, you know, I've been chipping on for years that we really, as a game, we should be looking after our, our loyal, long standing customers a, a bit better. And, um, you know, for them to be upset enough to kind of come and say it to the likes of me, you know, I think there was obviously a, a, a strong feeling there. And, um, and hopefully, something that that's something that could be looked at going forward. Okay, um, back to the track then, if you don't mind, and matters on the race course itself. Tony, um, I presume you took my advice and you backed home with songs because I'm a genius <laughs> and everyone knows that. I didn't, actually, I didn't. What? What? Um, what? She, she was, I hope you hope the more she drifted, the more you had on you because she went off at 13 to 2 at Betfair SP, which is considering she was 7 to 4 uh, early in the week, is, is a massive, is a massive drifter. Uh, yeah, God, she's impressive, isn't you? You'd take all day long getting the sex allowance from from the from the Colts, wouldn't you? But yeah, one thing, one thing before we move on, before obviously we 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 you praised Charlie Appleby there. Yeah. Someone tweeted me, and I'm assuming it's true. It's easy to check, but I haven't had time to check it. The New Market Kid uh, text, uh, sorry, tweeted me. I think he tagged Kevin in as well. Uh, he reckons it's the first time since 1995 that Aidan O'Brien has not won a Group 1 race by the end of the Irish Guineas Festival. If that's true, that's that's a pretty staggering stat, isn't it? Yeah, well, I did. It was notable. I think Blackbeard was his only winner of the weekend. But, yeah, it was. But, I mean, look. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he means, obviously, the, he normally has a, a French classic winner or a, yeah. an yeah. Irish classic winner or something like that. I mean, if, he's, if we're talking about 27 years... Um, since, since he hasn't had a Group 1 victory by the end of, uh, like I said, the Irish Guineas uh, weekend. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I'd say not, normally he could bank on having an older horse that would have wrapped up, you know, at least one Group 1 by now. Um, but I'd say, like, there's no secret that I'd say his crop of older horses this year would be as weak as he's ever had, probably, in terms of Group 1 horses. Um, like, you look back historically, that Tatsko Cup has been, you know, a soft touch for, for an Aiden horse for a long time. Um, but they're, they're just not there. You know, you know, you got Mother Earth, Broom, you know. By definition, I, I could have cried for him. After all the, obviously he hasn't won since the Bereford. And after, um, after all these uh, abuse he's got, um, given a, obviously given every chance by Ryan from the front, traded freeze on, I think. And I was just willing him to hang on, considering how much, uh, how many how many people have been having a dig at the horse. But yeah, yeah. Um, there's definitely like a push I can see I you know, on Twitter and social media. I think I people re- and like I think we had one question that was slightly nudging towards it, Tony. But you know, there's definitely a push that people want to latch onto this narrative that Aidan O'Brien and Coolmore are on their way out or like are done with or you know finished or any of this sort of bullshit essentially and look like there's no getting away from the stats like if that's a fact and like you, you can only look at the results and you can read for yourself they're not having a brilliant time of it but um i think you'd be i think we'd be we're a long way off writing them off anytime soon right like just because yeah. any yard can have a low point and godolphin oh, yeah. go through a high point oh. and coolmore yeah. go through a low point but I'd, I'd have good money on it that it'll be a short-term low for another yeah. high 
Well, we've had we've we've had it already this season, haven't we? After the Guineas meeting, oh Appleby's, you know, he's gonna stretch clear now. Then Aiden won five out of five at Chester, then he won the Lingfield Derby trial and and, yeah. as, and as we all know, it's you know the Oaks and the Derby is, are are their peaking points. So yeah, we'll reserve judgment till then. Okay, so a, I've got a, I've got a good number for you there, Hugh. Just on the theme of, um, I suppose the thing being spread around a bit. Um, I looked at it there. There was twenty four races across Irish Guineas weekend. Right, mm. sixteen different trainers had a winner. Fourteen different jockeys had a winner. I think it was a, a five odds on faves. Only one of them was shorter than eight to eleven. Native Trail, like this, the Irish flat racing scene is just extremely competitive at the minute like it's utterly utterly leaving the national hunt sphere in the shade in that regard like it's absolutely thriving Um, they're amazing numbers they're amazing numbers and kevin of those numbers i don't know if you did the owners as well but 24 races there must have been what 21 different colors in the winner's enclosure oh yeah i'd say somewhere in that region now yeah like moigler had a double did they and that was about Wow. Yeah, like it's, it's, so exactly, it's, it's yeah. There, was a, there was a real spread the whole way through, like fiercely competitive, which is great to see because, like, I, I know when I first got into racing, you know, it was the opposite. You know, everyone said, Ah, sure, look, you know, cool more farming the thing. It's a one, one, one pony show, etc. And look at the jumps, you know, uh, the ordinary man has a chance. And it's actually flipped completely around in, in, in like relatively no time at all. It's incredible, really. And you see the likes of Henry de Bromhead and, you know, Noel Mead with runners in cla- Irish classics now. It's fantastic, you know. What did you think of my little beauty homeless song, Vanessa? thought she was excellent. Not to uh, she's, a, she's a belter, isn't she? She's yeah. a crack. I mean, it was just like a bit of a ha- like piece of work for her. I mean, even when she got to the front, she's sort of, she just completely outclasses everyone else in that sort of yeah. field. I think there was some disappointments in behind her. I expected a couple of horses to run better than they did. But ultimately, she's, you know... She's come from behind. She's got way more speed than all of those. And she's done it really well, proving that she stays. And now they've just got so many options with her. They can, you know, they can go multiple different places with her now. Um, she's just yeah. she's just the just the cracker. Yeah, so that was that was the wow, that was the wow factor of the weekend, Hugh, wasn't it? Like she was yeah. like yeah. It, it's 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 a kind of a rare one now to get a classic one in kind of wow style. Uh, and she definitely did. And like in, in terms of what Tony touched on, the market weakness. Like one assumes uh, Dermot Wells' form was probably a big factor there. Like you take yeah. out homeless songs and he's only had two winners all year, you know, mm. and he's operating at a very moderate strike rate. And look, sometimes Dermot's can be a little bit slow to get going. It's kind of a notoriously um, cold yard, you know, paddock watchers would always tell you, uh, Tony's beloved paddock watchers would always tell you in kind of March <laughs> and early April that, uh, you know, Dermot Wells would generally be very hairy, you know, and very, very much clipped out, etc. And it takes them a while, but... Um, it's like my ex-girlfriend, a bit hairy. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like my ex-girlfriend, a bit hairy, I said. She's 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 four to one for the Coronation Stakes on the Metro's Sports Book. No, you're expert. What's that? <laughs> four to one. I so. loved her. I loved her really. She was great. Uh, big Adam's apple as well. Right, um, let's move on, shall we? Um, the Tallisoles Gold Cup winner, Alenker, um, six to one. <laughs> From 14s for the occasion. I mean, William Haggis, another one for him. Um, and, and little whispers, perhaps, that William Haggis might have shot at the, the title this season. Do you think, Kevin, that that's a realistic prospect? Ah, it's not something I think about now too much, Hugh. But he, um, he, he's doing a hell of a job at the minute now. 
And uh, th- th- this was a fine performance. This was, it was brilliant for this race now because this race has struggled a bit in, in the last while. It can often be, you know, a procession for a very good horse. But this year we had, you know, five individual Group 1 winners um, and, and, you know, I think two Group 2 winners, including the winner, coming into it. And, and it just produced a great contest. Um, TC touched on it briefly there. Like I thought Ryan Moore gave um, high definition, an absolute All-Ireland ride. Um, when you look at the that the horse, section. that horse, Jesus! I mean, how he got him to finish second, I never know. I'll never know. So but that, I, I think dumb. you know. Look, look, he was a horse that looked like a proper prospect as a two-year-old. He clearly has disappointed pretty much everyone since. But you know, this was the first time he's been ridden like that, and like he's always been kind of a long, slow strider. And you know, Ryan was just very aggressive with him from the front, and it seemed to suit him really well. And when you look at the when you look at the the finishing speed of the race, etc. Like it's it's bang on par. You know, I think Ryan has has got his numbers like absolutely spot on in front, and it's made it really hard for the rest to run him down. Alan Kier sat that bit closer to him and was just about able to run him down. State of rest came from a little bit further back and uh, and made a great effort at, at bridging the gap, but just Lord came Lord up. Lord was very short. disappointed, wasn't he? He was, to be honest. After about fifty yards, and I got oh. You know, really? this hasn't this hasn't necessarily gone to plan for Frankie. Like I was surprised how forward he was. Um, you know, I think everyone involved was kind of expecting him to be to be kind of following state of rest. You know, I've been ridden that bit quieter, which he normally is, and looked to strike late. And he ended up kind of more forward down the inside, racing a bit freely. Um, uh, so I, I thought it was it was maybe it was intentional. Maybe they wanted to ride him a bit closer to the pace, but um, certainly after fifty yards, I was kind of going, okay, that uh, that was unexpected. Um, but yeah, it was it was a fabulous horse race. You know, the time was very strong. Like Jesus, they they went like they were like seven lengths faster than standard. You know, I know they didn't run a whole heap of races on the round track on the day, but like every every other time, you know, was was well above standard, and you know they dip well under. Um, you know, so it, it it was what it was supposed to be a proper Group One, and I suspect they they might not meet again immediately. Um, maybe they, maybe a couple of them will at the Prince of Wales's, but. Um, yeah, the rematch w- would be interesting now. I know state of rest. I'd love to see him have another have another crack at that now on faster ground. I think um, yeah. Sh- Shane was fairly adamant that he was finding it a bit dead, um, and it was kind of his his bravery to put him where he was because I think he, Shane was feeling with two furlongs to go, he was he was going to be fourth. You know, he just wasn't the horse wasn't feeling quite the same on the ground. So um, mm. it was to his credit that he stuck his head down as well as he did. What should you make of it, TC? Yeah. Um, like, like all the all the right horses were there, so I think I think high definition. You've got to give him, I mean, you've got to give him plenty of praise from that. And he's the kind of horse that if they've worked him out, you'd think they're going to, you know, some you know, reap some improvement out of him, didn't you? But just coming back to Haggis again, I mean, he's, yeah. he's just he's unbelievable, isn't he? I mean, he's thirty one percent strike rate in this country this season. He's forty percent in the last fortnight. I mean, thirty three of his horses, other than the winners, have been placed. He's he's always been he's always been kind of like lauded as a as a master plotter of of, of his um, of his of his charges and he just seems to have a, a wealth of untapped riches. He, I tell you, what, it was brought home to me how how highly he's regarded by punters, and I imagine it's I imagine they've got punters connected to the yard. But there was a horse called Sense of Duty that won the Cecil Frow on Saturday. He won off. It, it, it went off at 15 to 8 favourite to be a filly of level weights who was rated 24 high, a 24 pound higher than her. And he just got the job done. 
mean, it, like we I mentioned it before, Mel June, you know, making his debut 13 to 2 at, at Doncaster in March. Two starts later, wins a German Guineas and, you know, maybe maybe go to, to Royal Ascot as well. He's got so many horses. Uh, you know, we might touch upon a few of the fillies coming up as well. He's got so many horses coming through that, for whatever reason, you know, only showed once or twice at two and are totally unexposed. And, you know, that horse on Saturday, that, that the filly that I mentioned, Sense of Duty, I mean, that could have gone for a hand, any handicap in the country of 88 and, and absolutely danced in. He's... Um, no, I, mean, I, I think he's obviously, and with the likes of Baid, yeah, he could really kick on this season. But like, like I said, I don't think many people are really interested in training on jockey titles, are they? I don't think they are, but I just think that he could easily be a rerun of Andrew Balding last year, like just having a terrific season, winner after winner after winner. But ultimately, Charlie Appleby at the end of the season will catch it. It just like just seems to happen. Like he's just, you know, you've got to, to beat Charlie. I mean, yeah, I just I just think that it's almost an impossible task unless you've got that sort of massive backing behind you where as soon as one horse goes lame or goes wrong or isn't ready to run, it's out the door, new horse in, ready to replace it in the stable. I just I just always think they're going to be likely to be collared at the end of the season in the autumn by the Appleby train. <laughs> yeah, I'll just give a quick mention to Tom Marcand as well, who, who rode Alan Keir. Obviously, I'm always a big fan of Tom, but he had a great quote after this. This was his first time to ride in Ireland, full stop. And he said, uh, after the race, he said, to be perfectly honest, an hour ago, I didn't even know my way to the start here. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I thought it was a good line. I hope they go to the the 10 furlong route at Royal Ascot with Alan Prince Kent, of Wales. Prince of Wales. Yeah, I hope they do. I know, obviously, he won the King Edward last year, but that's turned out to be a crap race. That's just a crap race. And I think, for me, I, I'd prefer to see him in the Prince of Wales again. And I don't know, I think people think that the form might not be backed up, but... I'd be I'd be with him to frank the form with the horses that finished in behind him. I know what Kevin and Tony have said in regard to their excuses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think Alan Kerr is one of those horses that may just continuously be a little bit underrated because he's never going to be ultra ultra flashy. He's not got the profile of being ultra flashy or the breathing page to be ultra flashy. But actually, I think uh, yeah, I'd be with him to frank the form, not against it. Yeah, and Why? people will look at his form from last year and kind of try to put a seagull on him. But I say when you look at him physically, yeah. you can see the case for why he's yeah. improved. You know, he, he's got a, he's, he's German bred through and through. And physically, you can see he's a horse that would do well from three to four. So, like, I think yeah. he's probably just better than, than where he was last season. What about um, El Caballo? God, he's a tough old goal, isn't he? Carl Burke says he's going to Royal Ascot. Is he good enough, Vanessa, to win a Group 1, do you think? Oh, he's been, he's been terrifically campaigned. I mean, he's one of a heap load of cash for the owners and he's a proper I, I love the, what they've done with him in terms of their races they've pitched him in at and he just keeps on winning I mean is he group one I mean he deserves his shot now at the at a group one and that's where he's going to go I I, I not he's tough and he's consistent but I fear that something will be flashier and classier than him in group one company but he deserves to take a chance now uh, at Royal Ascot in the Commonwealth Cup and um, I mean that's you know that's probably on this like a, a not a missed story it wasn't missed but Carl Burke obviously talking about trainers in form I mean if William Haggis is in form then Carl Burke is very shortly behind him in the list like he's just red hot at the moment and for Clifford Lee 
I think it was touched upon. That's his first group winner, wasn't it? And they've been together for a long time. And he's not one of these jockeys that's the finished article. He's not perfect. He wouldn't get the plaudits that some sort of more, I don't know, dare I say, naturally gifted jockeys would get. But he's just working away very, very hard. And he just keeps improving season, like month after month at the moment. And now with Carl Burke's team just in such good nick, it's a lovely little pairing up north. And uh, I, was, I was delighted for them. But do I think he's a group one winner? No. No. Tony, <laughs> not having it. Not having it. No. Sorry. Not really. That, 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 Seven to one for the Commonwealth. Seven to one for the Commonwealth Club. Yeah, that could, who would you have in the rematch now? If he meets Tiber Flow again, who would you have finishing the front? Whatever about where they're finishing the race, who would you have finishing the front? Eras. Oh, <laughs> <Eras>. <laughs> <laughs> Your favourite team, favourite ride of the season, hey? I, I, I'm going to go to Royal Ascot just to just to congratulate Jim Crowley before the race. <laughs> oh. I think they're a bunch. I think there there's there are three really good calls, um, and I think they'll probably go into the Commonwealth Cup underappreciated, assuming they all go for the Commonwealth Cup, and yeah. because. They've come a different route. You know, the, uh, people always get attached to these, you know, Guineas horses that drop back. Perfect. You know, perfect, perfect power would be the example here. Um, but, you know, I, I think these are a good, a good little sprinkling of sprinters now. Uh, El Caballo and, and um, Tiber Flow and you can throw Ares love- in there as well. Also, I, I actually do think Flaming Rib is underrated. <laughs> I mean, he finished second. No. And what? Like, he, he's just, he's, as a two-year-old he was everything you could wish for in a two-year-old and then there was a question about whether he'd train on and although he hasn't got the ones next to his name like he had last season there's no doubt that he's trained on he keeps tipping up running his races and obviously he got touched off by El Caballo but I mean he's another one that I could see out running his odds at, in a race like the Commonwealth Cup mm. well, okay the King's stand then um, the Queen looks to have a, a, a bit of a decent sprinter in uh, King's Lynn he took the Temple Stakes at Haydock and did it quite nicely. Um, I mean, maybe just hanging on at the end, Tony Calvin. But yep. I know you're not a huge fan of uh, the sprint division. No. But uh, the Queen looks to have a good one here. No, I'll go anywhere. For the, I think the price is right. I mean, <laughs> I think you've got. I think you've got to be absolutely sick if you bet Twilight Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, uh, uh, I think he traded at. I think he uh, might trade at one hundred and three, and and you can see why. I mean, uh, he did looked at the head on, and he did momentarily meet a bit of trouble, but. He travels so well throughout his races. You just think he's going to land on a big one. I mean, I wouldn't surprise me if he if he goes up and rocks up in the July Cup and wins there. I, I think, even though it might be a bit harsh on the winner, who did find plenty when Twilight Calls came to him, I think an exaggerated rating ride on Twilight Calls, the way he travels through his races, I think there's a group one to be one with him, even though obviously he needs to make significant improvement. But just everything about the horse suggests that when it pitches right for Twilight Calls, he, he, he's going to land a big one. And I wouldn't surprise me if it was something like the July Cup. Are you a fan of Wesley Ward, Tony? Just as a no. person. Would you like to sit down and have a pint with him? No, I, I look, I've got no problem. I've got, look, I've got no problem with him coming over. But all I want, if, if people are going to come over uh, and, and, and lord him and world horse racing, make videos about him, just have some editorial balance about it. I mean, you know, he's, he was, I think he was having his 35th, drug-related ban when he got banned from Kentucky in January. You shouldn't be bringing these trainers over here without giving people the full picture. Now, I know he's got a lot of history with the sport. I know he's got a lot of history with the meeting. You know, he's made it in certain ways. But, you know, you can't just ignore one of the most salient points about it. I had a lot of friends over 
for the racing on Saturday at home. Um, we were chatting about this uh, and not one person, you know, said, you know, of course we should mention it. It, it may well, but just mention it once and then forget about it. But just get it out of there. Just do not ignore it because I hate ignorance when it comes to big stories and his, his background with the drug violations going back years along with Bob Baffert. If Bob Baffert was coming over here, uh, bringing a, a whole load of uh, horses, I think we'd be having the conversation. And obviously, Wesley's got a similar kind of uh, record in that area. Look, if he wants to come out, if you want to come over here and people want to uh, laud him and applaud him, fine. But let's have some editorial balance about uh, how he arrives here and his history. Drug me once, shame on you. Drug me 35 times, shame on me. Is that what they say? <laughs> um, right, let's move on. Um, Pearls Galore, 14 to 1 for the Queen Anne. Uh, Kevin, um, with a sports book here. What did you make of? Of that performance? Yeah, I it was... I didn't see the race, so I, I didn't see the race, so I'll hold my hands up. Yeah, look, she won narrowly, but she won snugly. It was probably a race that didn't go perfectly to plan for, for Paddy. Um, he had two in the race, and it, it seemed like the, the, the outsider, the two, would be the one to go forward, uh, and Pearls Glower was probably to follow her, but Pearls Glower ended up absolutely pinging the gates, and the other one um, was yeah. a shade slow away, so it just took him a little while to get in formation. And, and that probably resulted in the, the the overall pace of the race suffering a little bit. Um, and Pearls Galore just travelled like really, really strongly. Um, and when Billy asked her for effort, I suspect she was kind of half Dawson when she got there. Um, she made hard work of it. Um, only won a neck in the end, but, but was well on top of the line. Um, so look, they they brought her back in training. It was a brave call to bring her back in training. She's a like a highly valuable filly. Um, being a you know a multiple group winner already in group one place. They brought her back to um, presumably win a group two, but to win a group one first and foremost. So they've the, they've the first part of the plan done now in winning a group two. So um, look, where would she go? Like she, she'll probably end up in races like the Foray and the, the, the Matron and races like that again. And um, look, it'll be, it'll be tough for her to win one, but um, she's, a, she's a very good filly and um, she certainly won't lack for ability to travel. She, she doesn't have travel in her races. Just, just, just out of that race. Um, sorry, go, go, V. Oh, sorry. I was just about to say in the finish. I mean, that second horse looked very awkward, Kevin, but also about two hands bigger than the winner. Like, is the, is the winner a diddler? Is the second some sort of beast? And the second's a big filly. Um, you know, she carries her. That's just the way she carries herself. She always has. But um, I can't say I got a, I got a huge look at pearls galore beforehand. Now, but there's there's definitely one bigger than the other. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, like, like my ex-girlfriend again. Go on, TC. <laughs> did, did she was the final nail in that coffin when you started calling her Chewbacca? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chewy. Oh, oh, don't go there. Um, oh, I thought coming back to the Pearls Galore race, I thought yeah. uh, Thunder Beauty ran a really eye-catching race over a trip. I don't think she fully gets the mile. I think when they get her over seven furlongs. I think Thunder Beauty could have a could have a decent race in her. For all, again, she's relatively lowly rated in terms of you're looking at Group Two, Group One races. Uh, and we mentioned uh, Tom Marcan. We mentioned William Haggis. Cecil Road Tony was really well backed as well at Goodwood on on Saturday. Um, yeah. A lot of support in the market, and Julie obliged. Yeah, I mean, so one of the feature of the Haggis horses is not how he brings them on. And, um, you know, places them. They just all they just smashed across the board, and <laughs> very very rarely miss. Um, I wasn't massively taken by the, you know, by the actual form nature of it. But he, he said that, <coughs> sorry, he said the filly probably wasn't at home on the soft ground and 
if you are looking to back up for the Ribbles now, I think he urged a bit of caution there because he's not sure if that was going to come too soon. But uh, clearly, she's uh, a Philly going the right way. He'll think she can stay further than a mile or two. Uh, and there's plenty more to come from such a likely race filly. But yeah, I mean, yeah, the feature of the Haggis horses is, is not that they're winning. It's how well back they're winning. It's quite yeah. phenomenal. Okay, Blackbeards. Another one another one for the X there. Uh, 41 <laughs> from Sevens. Of the, the X? Why, why is the heartbroken um, today, Hugh? I don't know. It's just forlorn, Vanessa. I don't know. Maybe it's just a, just a depressing manic Monday. It's been a bad weekend I mean. on Tinder, has it? Yeah, I've like, just been playing, playing loads of love songs this morning and all these images of my X keep popping in and the names of the horses here. Blackbeard for one. Four to one for the commentary camp. This is Aidan O'Brien's only winner of the weekend. <laughs> only winner of the weekend, which I guess is unusual when it's Irish classic opening weekend. But... Um, what did you make of Blackbeard if you just keep it to him for, for a moment? Yeah, he did he did win the, the very last race of the of the meeting as well. Um <laughs> albeit a maiden. But Blackbeard, like Blackbeard's been an interesting horse to watch because the, the first day he wanted to dock, like he looked like it's one of those you don't know where you call him green or, or they're just a bit awkward, but he looked one or the other the first day. Um he was better the second day at the Curra, still looking maybe a little bit awkward, but he was much better here. They jumped out, made the running up against the rail uh, and was very strong late on. So, like, I think the penny has firmly dropped with him. Um, and this was a strong performance now because the second and the third came in with uh, with strong credentials themselves and he's absolutely whacked them. Um, so, you know, where do they go? Coventry. Um, he'd probably be able to come back to five again if they wanted, but I suspect they'll stay at six. Um, and he's he's going to... He's gonna, give a very good account of himself I'd say because that this was a strong performance yeah okay and sure look I mean it's just a notable I guess when it's the only one of the weekend really um, then Lino as well 16 I, I didn't see Vanessa did you watch uh, Lino's race or Lionel whatever you want to call it um, for the King Edward 16 to 1 with the Spectre Sportsbook I didn't see it but would you watch uh, his makeup yeah, no, uh, like very strong in finish. Um, Jamie Spencer, a hold-up ride, but not really a typical, you wouldn't call it a typical Jamie Spencer ride. He had to get pretty serious with him. Um, mm. And he just stays all day. He's just going to appreciate further again in time. David Manuzio with this plan to, I think the plan is to take, bring him over and run him in the Irish Derby. And, um, you know, he's one of those, as we know with David, he's just one of those trains when he's got a plan in his head and, you know, it's, it, he might be a bigger price, but it wouldn't be a massive shock if he pulled off something like that with a horse like him running well in a classic like the Irish Derby. Um, he just stays all day. Look, like it's very clear he has to take a huge step forward and he's still a work in progress. He took so long to get going, um, but he's so strong at the line that he's a, he's a stare to keep on the right side of for sure. And nice for yeah. David. To have yeah, just, like just coming back to the two-year-olds, and as everyone knows, I'm not a massive fan of punning on juveniles, but... yeah. The two-year-old division across the board is, is wildly exciting at the moment. Very exciting. This we mentioned Blackbeard. You, you've got Persian Force there. You've got Noble yeah. Style. Noble Style obviously beat Wallbank um, on um, on his debut. At Ascot. And obviously, that one came out and won a street at York. We've got Bradwells that come out, won by nine lengths uh, at the York meeting as well. There are so many good two-year-olds out there. Um, you know, Ammo Racing have got a lot of them. And um, yeah, I mean, well, they pay big money, but they're getting the results on the back of it. Yeah, my I, I, I just went through all the before we did the show. I went through all the two-year-old uh, betting and, uh, and the meetings there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like I said, this Royal Ascot two-year-old races. I think there's going to be plenty of ducking and diving there 
you know, Norfolk, Coventry and, uh, and whatever, given the, the uh, strength of depth in the uh, strength in depth of the races. Um, yeah, you're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to uh, change tack here and, and pay uh, more attention than usual to the two. No, 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 I'll, I'll probably just end up watching them because um, yeah. I'll say hey, it's, it's too much guesswork in it for me. I'm not one of those. I'm not one of the time bandits. And... One of those, and one of those, Tony is remarkable force, which um, uh, Hughes decided to miss off on the running order just because he picks and chooses the ones that he's actually. Heard I do, I do, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, two two now for Alice Haynes, Ammo Racing supporting Alice. Nice, another yeah. nice little story that will go under the radar. There, she's had a good a handful now of two-year-old winners. Uh, she had the fastest two-year-old winner from the sales to the racetrack, I think, with that Lady Bullet, um, sold at the Breeze Up sales and, and then won a two-year-old race. I think it was 18 days later, which is about as short as it can be from sales to winner's enclosure. <laughs> but anyway, she's having a good time of it and remarkable force. Um, again, will be a huge price tipping up to Royal Ascot, but he basically has options over all three distances and pedigree-wise, he's a horse that um, I think people could look at his form and maybe think Alice Haynes trained and uh, won the sort of relatively shallow couple of races, but I actually think that he might be another, another nice type for Ammo Racing. They've got a whole clutch going on. Yeah, but yeah, speaking, we... speak, speaking of which, keep an eye on the form of that Phillies maiden from the curry yesterday. Um, Geraldine's won it there with a Judmont horse, but uh, just keep an eye on everything basically because there was there was more than a couple of this is the best I have um, going into this race. Like there's some huge reputations. Was it um, the Michael O'Callaghan horse in fourth caught my eye? Was that the, was that the race in, in second? Um, the second and the fourth I thought caught my eye there. Yeah, the fourth was Kevin Coleman. Yes, that um, one. Yeah, that, that was that, yeah, that was a lovely run. But yeah, yeah. there's uh, there, there's there's big big reputations in that race and they, they weren't all the ones that finished that were involved in the finish either so I'd say keep an eye on that form and that it'll throw up plenty of winners before we move um, on to the two-year-olds a, a big shout out to Amy Murphy um she's got a you know I think she's got a satellite yard out in France isn't it or she's going out there a lot she's she's got a really good filly that's free from free Manhattan jungle uh one last week one best part of 50 grand by going over there and winning free from free. She's going to yeah. maybe go to the Queen Mary or whatever. And again, as Vanessa said, maybe because of that, maybe coming in a little bit under the radar there. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, the two-year-old division doesn't really get float my boat, but it really got me excited coming to all that Okay, before we move on, if I gave you all one horse to follow from the weekend, if I said, just take one horse in the weekend, if Peter listeners, um, that you just would write down, maybe for Royal Ascot, Ascot in particular, he mentioned a lot of the races there and the prices that have contracted. If I said to you to take one going forward, for me, it's Homeless Songs because uh, she's just a machine. But if I said to you, Kevin Blake, Oof. take one horse from the weekend. I'll give you a bit of time. I'm gonna, I'll mention a horse called Dark Shift at one at Nottingham on sun, uh, late Sunday afternoon. Uh, three from four at Ascot. Uh, really impressive at Nottingham. Uh, perhaps one, two went at Nottingham. Uh, as regards the Royal Hunt Cup, but uh, cutting to 14s uh, with a sports book, five places for the Hunt Cup. Um, What's it called again? Dark what? Dark, dark Shift. Dark Shift. Yeah. Um, like I say, 14s, when the Betfair Sports are actually playing an extra place already on the Hunt Cup. Uh, the worry is obviously, uh, I think uh, he's going to get whacked up about probably eight pounds. So he's going to be in a mark of about 99, but. Given the course record, given the manner he won, he was on the wrong side when disappointing the Victoria Cup earlier. 
Um, I thought that was quite a striking performance. And I think you're getting near enough the best price in the marketplace there. Uh, I think he's only 17 on the exchange, but you say you're getting you're getting 14 with an extra place um, if you are looking for the Hunt Cup. So, yeah, that was the one that really caught my eye last night. Dark shift. Vanessa? Uh, I'd go with the Haggis. Um, oh, my God, Self Silk Road. Silk Road, okay. For the Ribblesdale. Um, okay. I just think that she's, yeah, she's got plenty more to give and we're going to see her e- even better over further. So a mile three will suit her perfectly. And then even further in time, I just think she'd be really well suited. A little bit worried about the word of caution Tony just said when he was talking about her earlier. Right. But I was very taken with her and I'd be a negative about third realm going for the Hardwick, would it be? I don't think uh, that I don't. I'm not sure Ascot's the track for him. Um, I know he absolutely bolted up at Goodwood, but I think he's better suited to the likes of Goodwood and Lingfield. Well, we've okay. seen him at his best. Um, yeah, he's he's a very well balanced small colt, so I think I think he goes well around those tracks. But I'd be negative about him at Royal Ascot. Excellent, and Kevin, you're a good self. Yeah, just for something completely different, I, I tipped Miranda at Haydock on the podcast on uh, Thursday or Friday whenever we recorded it, and I, I thought it was an interesting run now, and it wouldn't be a shock if she ends up in the Ascot Stakes, the two-and-a-half-mile handicap. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't be a shock if she ended up there, and she, she'll get in off her rating as well, so I, I keep an eye out if she turns up there. I think Lovely. she was, I was tracking her. I think she was quite weak in the market. I didn't see it completely mm. off, but at one point she was trading about 14s on the exchange and she'd been about eights the night before. Yeah, it was her first row for 10 weeks now and maybe, maybe it was a stepping stone. Time will okay. tell. Um, before we go on to a couple of issues, is it fair on Gavin Ryan that he will not ride Bisbedil in the Derby? Does anyone have a strong view on this? I think it's a bit harsh. I understand if Frankie Tory is available and the breeding operation and the owners and the investment, you take the best on offer is it a little bit harsh on Gavin or is that just life as a jockey I think it's just life as a jockey and I'm like I'm all for a bit more of the nature of this switching and changing I know there'll be people listening screaming out but if you don't give a young lad a chance how will he ever get a chance and all that I totally get that but I do think that sometimes sentiment comes sort of comes into it and sort of heart overhead and actually um, I'm, I'm a big one for the owners, A, being allowed to do what they do, what they want to do. They pay the bills. And if they want Frankie, they want Frankie. They've had some good days with him in the past. But also, like, you know, you see the sort of likes of Ammo racing and, you know, switching and changing stables a lot. And it causes a bit of an uproar. But, you know, sometimes change can be a good thing, not necessarily a bad thing. And I don't know. I just think that we live in it. We're sort of so backward in racing. I'm always saying that, but we are so backward and it's all about, you know, standing by the partner, you know, the people that we've teamed up with in the past, but actually, uh, you know, you should be allowed to do what you want and it shouldn't be, I, I don't like this big furore just because the jockey's been taken off. Yes, he's done a perfectly good job up until now, but the owners want someone different. Get over it. It'll happen time and time again. Hello, get over yourself, Gav. <laughs> Oh, well, it, it, it's tough because you, you can take Frankie in the derby, but, you know, win or lose, you're, there's a fair chance you're not going to have Frankie the next day, you know, so there's, there's positives and negatives, you know, there would be, most people will put value in continuity, um, and, and, you know, Gavin certainly has done nothing wrong on the horse, so it's, it, it, these are always tough situations, you, like Vanessa says, you can understand exactly why decisions like this are taken, but they're, they're, they're pretty tough situations, I think. It's just, it's not it does not just demean the, the idea of the notion that like a jockey gets to know a horse, knows where his strengths or her strengths and weaknesses are, when to push the button, when to hold back, when to get cover, when to go out wide. Does that just not make a mockery of that? No, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. I, look, look. 
I don't, I'm, look, I'm not one of these people who put too much store in jockeys and Frankie's given some horses probably one of the worst rides I've seen in classics, um, you know, in recent years. I mean, like to John Leeper, he gave it an absolutely stonker of a bad ride. Um, no, I, I'm not. I mean, it's interesting about keeping the faith. I mean, you, when you won the ledger with Galileo Chrome, you were going to stay loyal to the original jockey until he failed the... The COVID test, weren't you, Kev? Shane Cross, was it? Yeah, look, Joseph would always stay loyal. Like, look, sometimes owners have a strong opinion and, and that's their prerogative, but, um, like, you look yeah, through the, the way Joseph operates, like, it's it's always the in-house jockeys that are there every every morning in most cases, you know? Well, I would say, I mean, I might be completely wrong. I mean, anybody's welcome to correct me here. I'd say Donica's not had any any input into this decision at all. Like, I'm no. sure Donica would love to stay loyal to his jockey, of course. But I'd say this is a very big operation saying, now nah, we want Frankie thanks. I'm mm. pretty sure the trainer's got nothing to do with this one. I don't know, okay. actually. I'm saying yeah. that. Like, we might okay. uh, yeah, you'd be, sa- you'd be safe enough in your assumption, I'd say, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, serious matters then off the race course, I guess. Um, Kieran Cotter was in the papers, Kevin, last week. Um, he has expressed his uh, amazement, really, at uh, the 27,500 euro fine uh, that he has received for um, a case involving the use of cobalt in horses. It looks like he's going to vehemently and strongly appeal. And the sanction and denies all wrongdoing here. What's your reading of, of what happened here? Um, well, look, look historically, it, it, it's an extremely big ban, you know, and that, that's it, it, the, the cobalt is only probably a small portion of it. You know, we've seen our, our fair share of cobalt positive since the threshold was introduced. And, you know, in some cases, fines have been waived entirely. In other cases, you know, relatively minor fines, um, because the, the thing about cobalt is it's present in, in a whole host of very common and legitimate vitamin supplements. And, you know, if you, if, if they overdo it on them or if the, the horse ingests it close to the race, it can put you in danger of, of breaching the threshold. Um, so that, that probably wasn't the most concerning aspect of this. It was, it was more so the additional stuff that probably resulted in the fine being as high as it was. Um, you know, the lack of a medicine book is really, um, is really damning in this day and age. You know, that's, that's just basic stable management and to, to not be keeping records is, is, is something that, that just doesn't, it, it's never going to wash, unfortunately. Um, like in fit, like the IHRB have come down, um, like like very, they've been very pernickety on all stuff like this for, for a number of years now, because they've been very deliberately set out to raise the standards uh, of record keeping uh, and procedures in this, because it was probably much, much loose, much, a much more loosey goosey type of thing going back years. And they've really made an effort to improve things. So for them to arrive at a, at a, at a stable that it's not a small yard by any means. You know, Kieran Cotter's had, had plenty of success in the last few years to arrive onto a yard like that, and there'd be no medicines register and, you know, various, um, uh, you know, clearly the, the, there was issues with self-administration rather than with the supervision of a vet and just basically a very loosey-goosey management system there. You know, that's not up to the, the required standard for a licensed trainer nowadays. And look, they came down really, really heavily and the fact that they came down so heavily, I'd say they had a very strong chat about whether um, to suspend a license, you know, because that, that fine is massive. It, it really, really is. And What would not... have been better for him, Kev? A license suspension for six months, maybe? Or this sort of fine, which I presume is going to hit his wallet pretty hard? I mean, I don't any- know. Like, like, it's, it's tough. You know, trainers, 
trainers in, in the main, you know, aren't high income earners, you know, 30 grand, 30, it was more than that. It was, you know, 27 and a half, I think, plus costs of, you know, another six or 7,000. You know, that, that's an awful lot of money. Um, and it, it's interesting that they chose to go that road rather than um, looking at his license. Um, but yeah, it, ju- it just read terribly, didn't it? Um, when, you, when you read down through it, um, there's plenty of scope for, for people's imaginations to run wild in there, you know, bonfires and all this crap. Um, it read terribly. It was heavily punished. Um, there's an appeal pending, so we probably okay. shouldn't talk too strongly about yeah. it, but um, that, that was my read of it. Fair enough. Tony, the um, government in the UK apparently quite close to uh, publishing a, yeah. a white paper on reforming of gambling laws in Britain, and um, they say it's going to be evidence-based changes that will lead to a change in legislation. I mean, it's hard to preempt what's in it, but what's your sense overall of, of what they might, might be likely to do here? It's been delayed for so long, I don't think anybody really knows which way it's going to go. You'd, you'd hopefully think it will be evidence-based, but the you know, some of the submissions that you've seen and some of the talk uh, about, I think there's a there's a line in the report that's been bandied about that, you know, get social and harm from gambling is costing the, the economy 1.27 billion. And when you get, when you get uh, numbers like that bandied around and the incompetence of our MPs and government, you, you do worry for the worst, don't you? But I think anybody, all anybody can hope for is, is a balanced, um, a balanced argument, a fair argument. I, I would say some of the stuff that's been coming out um, in in the racing press in this country uh, on on racing programs, uh, like you know, I saw one with Neil Channing and, and Dan War and Nick Luck on Racing TV a couple of weeks ago. I just think it's been totally about balance. I think I think we're in danger of being counterproductive by get by by trying. I understand why they're trying to get on the front foot with this. But it just seems so one eye and so self-interested. I think anybody from government looking at that might just think, you know, they're trying a bit too hard here. There's no balance in this in this in this debate and this argument. And I think they probably needed someone in there in that particular debate and others that I've seen that needed to put the other side of the argument is gambling. Uh, you know, gambling is social gambling uh, problem wise is is you know is of clearly a, a big factor. And there was a big thing on the BBC News over here this morning about. You know, gambling leading to deaths, etc. And it got it was a very high profile again this morning, and that's obviously maybe timed into what's coming on with the white paper. But all anybody can help for there is evidence based, it is balanced, but that balance needs to come from both sides of the party here. And I probably don't think that's been happening in recent weeks. Okay, we wait with bated breath to see uh, the details behind that. And um, we have three listener questions I want to get to, and Tony, you'll endeavour to answer uh, as many as you can as well on social media. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get to because. Yeah, but with three, we want to read out um, across the card is uh, treated to say, <coughs> excuse me, the performance of the BHA integrity unit, over 30 staff, yet very few charges, let alone successful prosecutions. Combined salary must be over a million quid a year. Where is that money going and why are they so ineffective? I guess that's his viewpoint, should we, we should stress. Yeah, I, I, I very quick, I'll just read out the answer I got. I contacted someone from the BHA. I have got a name, obviously, but I, I didn't check that it was okay for me to use it. Anyway, this is what the answer I got back was. Um, so this is the answer across the card. The majority of integrity staff aren't looking at betting-relating matters. There's about six of us who do. Our wage bill wouldn't be anywhere near a million pounds either, exclamation mark. People never ex- uh, never check the exclusions on our website. There are dozens of them. A whole load of no ones are coming in, and I'm now allowed to tag them for non-cooperation in a betting-related investigation, which should make things a lot clearer. So go on the website there. He, he makes this very good point as well. 
uh, to sign off with. He said, unfortunately, the majority of punters aren't licensed, so we can't make them face charges. And I think that's often uh, left out in it. I mean, I'd be a big critic of, of, of the BHA looking into more rides and, and asking more questions. But I think um, the BHA guy from BHA there said that he set out there, there the limitations that they're working in. Okay. Colonel Braxton says, what are your thoughts on betting shops in the UK opening at 7.30 a.m.? Uh, I'll, I'll take this one as well. Because he, was, he, was, he, was, he was moaning at the fact that we aren't, haven't been asking any of his questions. But um, He's obviously inferring that they're opening at 7.30 to get the FOBT players in, isn't he? Uh, I know there's you can go in there at 7.30 and bet in the likes of any racing jurisdiction around the world. But yeah, I mean, maybe in the light of, you know, the social gambling, et cetera, maybe it's a bad look then to be opening up 7.30 if it is for the FOB teams, but they might argue this, you can bet on any number of range of stuff. No, but it's one of the few places on the high street that is open at 7.30, isn't it? So yeah, that may prick your ears up. Okay, and final question then. Menstone Gem Stewart, surely just ask the question and find out why an eight poke is 40s just before the off from Charlie. Right. Yeah, I know. this is a specific question. As well. The horse in question was but uh, was a, was about a twenty to one chance in the morning. Got up by you, Taylor. Went into sevens and eights. Drifted out to eighteen. Um, about four points bigger at Betfair SP. It's probably to, anybody who knows anything about the Betfair markets is the market just go absolutely crazy in the last five or ten minutes. They basically they everyone everything goes to the price it should be. So I had a look at the ride. Got no issue with that. Don't need to contact the BHA. You just did your money. Yeah. Okay. My thanks to Tony, to Kevin, and to Vanessa once again, and to everyone who took the time to send in the questions. Sorry we didn't get to all of them. Ascot, Royal Ascot Preview, June the 7th. We're recording Racing on a Better, Royal Ascot Preview on June the 7th. So um, stick that in your diary if you are so inclined. If you don't want to do that, that's totally fine too. Racing on a Better, we're back this Thursday to look ahead to the weekend as always. Uh, so enjoy the week, gamble responsibly. And to the lady who didn't cash out on Liverpool winning the four titles in the football yesterday, what the hell were you thinking? Good luck! <laughs>